Are you someone who secretly dreams of writing a book or a screenplay? Maybe the secret is out and you want to take your writing to the next level. Or does the idea of drafting even a LinkedIn profile stress you out? You don't have to be a professional writer to dread the blank page, but today's guest is here to empower even the most self-conscious scribe. Award-winning Canadian film and TV producer and my former boss, Al McGee, is here to free our words up and onto the page. Welcome to the How To Be Free podcast. I'm Stephen Francis. And I'm Michelle LeDuc Catlin. Join us for a conversation about how to bring freedom to writing anything. Al McGee is a producer, showrunner, writer, and mentor with over 30 years of experience in all genres, in both scripted and documentary content, including Trailer Park Boys, Little Mosque on the Prairie, Republic of Doyle, and Designer Guys, to name just a few. Uh, he has over 50 feature film credits to his name, writing and story editing for some of Canada's best-known filmmakers, and... He has multiple honours for mentoring emerging talent, designing and delivering hundreds of writing and production workshops, and has served as the professional in residence at the Canadian Film Centre for over 25 years. Uh, of course, there's a lot more I could go on and on, but I'll stop there because I have to stop somewhere and I'll just say, welcome, Al. Thank you. Uh, so writing is something that most of us have to do in some capacity at some point. I've, I've written a number of articles. Funny enough, Michelle's comment about LinkedIn profiles did kind of make my insides clench a tiny bit. Me that's, too. Man, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. I'm not the only one. It's something very nerve-wracking about it. But um, it seems to be as uh, fraught for some people as, say, public speaking would be for some others. Um, so as with the How To Be Free podcast, we thought we'd ask you to help us create a little bit more freedom around the writing process. Um, okay. So before we get into that, though, we have a, a question we'd like to kick off the show with, which is, what does freedom mean to you? Hmm. Hmm. <clears throat> I think for me, freedom is, it's like, how would I know if I was free? I, I, I feel free when I can breathe, mm. when my shoulders are sort of down and not, not up here, mm. when there's an absence of anxiety and worry and concern. Um, I feel free when I'm, in that flow of, you know, doing work and it's just suddenly, suddenly it's six o'clock and it's time to stop and I've been at it since six in the morning. Mm. Um, yeah, for me, I think freedom is just about being, just about being able to, you know, be with my mind in an unrestricted way and just being able to access whatever it is I'm trying to access. And if I'm with somebody, just being able to be with that person without anything getting in the way. Mm. Mm. So being, be with my mind in an unrestricted way. I love yeah, that I love definition. That too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so interesting for, for Michelle and I. You know, everyone's definition of freedom is so personal. You know, you think yeah. there'd be this pat definition, but it's it's different mm -hmm. every time. It's wonderful. Um, so you're obviously very prolific. I mean, how even how one is a professional in residence for twenty five years is pretty astounding. Um, so uh, I'm assuming notwithstanding your comment about the LinkedIn profile, that you have a fair amount of, de a fair degree of freedom around writing. So how would you describe your relationship to writing? 
Um, there's a certain amount of freedom, but still, you know, starting starting is hard. I, I, you know, you hear those stories about actors that we admire before they go on stage. They've got a you know a nervous stomach or they're being sick. I I I often feel like that for an hour before I start. You know, and I just I invent all kinds of reasons not to start. What's wrong with the thing I'm about to do? Why it's why it's going to be terrible? Why it'll be the last thing I ever do? Who am I to think I can do this? And then at a certain point, you know, that gets really tedious. It's like oh, I guess I have to start. So you start, you know, and that that first five minutes is never fantastic. But then you know, ten fifteen minutes in, you've forgotten all that, and you're just you're just going. Um, and you're just, it's, it's, it's happening and you get out of your own way. I think the hardest thing is getting out of the way and giving yourself the freedom to start. Um, I've done that uh, artist way a couple times. And one mm. of the things I love that they, they say in that, Julia Cameron says, you know, you don't have to make it up. You just have to write it down. And a big part of writing it down is just getting out of the way mm. and stop, uh, you know, stop inventing all this hardship where it doesn't need, need to be, you know? And I think, I often think about writing with, you know, something or someone sitting on my shoulder critiquing everything I'm doing as I do it. And, you know, that's an impossible, an impossible way to work. Um, and when you can kind of, you know, just push that, push that character off or, mm. you know, so say, have to tell you, what, you, you can come back in an hour, just give me an hour and then mm. you can come back in and you can look at everything and you can you know, do what you want, but just let me have the hour. And then an hour turns into two, turns into three. I think this is this is why for me journaling is what freed my writing because I, it's first of all I think it must be so refreshing for people to hear that even someone with your experience still goes through the same nonsense that we all go through and mm -hmm. for me even in my journal I noticed that in the beginning I had that judgment as if somebody was watching it or reading. It's like, my uh, God, this is my journal. If yeah, you can't be free yeah. in your journal, where are you going to be free? So I gave myself permission to just, never mind that. Nobody's judging it. Nobody's reading it, right? And I think that's that's a really key component to freeing ourselves. Yeah, do yeah. you find, because you've mentored and taught so many people, what do you find are the most common barriers to writing for the people you've taught? Is it the same as yours or do you find different things? No, the thing I find more often than not is <clears throat> people are writing, um, but they're writing around the thing they really want to write about. So, you know, you get a draft and, you know, I read the draft and when I'm reading somebody's work for the first time or reading a brand new uh, draft, I try to read it with nothing in my hands because the hands instantly start to mark things up. But just, read it, be with it, kind of pay attention to what I'm feeling as I go through, kind of stop and then, you know, ask a couple of questions about the material. And the first question I always like to ask is, you know, what is, what is, what is this material trying to do? You know, what is the, what is the point of it? Or what is the author? What is the writer trying, trying to do? And then I, I try to answer that in some way. And sometimes I get a couple of answers because it might be trying to do a couple of things. Mm. And then you look at where is it succeeding? And I'll track where it's succeeding. And then where am I confused? Where do I just not know what's going on? Track all that. You know, mm -hmm. what do I want more of? I ask, what do I want more of? And then uh, what, would I, what would I say to this person? And sort of starting from there, because you start that, and I might say, oh, this, this seems to be a, you know, a story of redemption and what you've done with you know, the character of Bob and the journey that Bob is on and what he's going to do with the memory of his mother. And, and they're like, 
oh, God, no, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> well, then at least you, know, you spare yourself the embarrassment of going too far down, down a road. But at the very least, you give the writer then something to bounce off against. This. No, 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 no. This is a story about Stacy. And Stacy is trying to uh, make her way in the world. You go, all right, let's do that. <laughs> so you just get the person talking, talking, talking. They'll tell me everything that we both need to know about Stacy and Stacy's story. And then it's like, okay, well, now let's find a way to put that into the, into the script, mm-hmm. get that into the material, and then we can work. And that, that happens fast. And that happens almost every single time. So the, the advice really to overcoming that problem is so simple. I mean, what I hear is just, what is the point? It's just asking that question. What what is the point? And it's interesting how often, because we're so constrained when we're trying to write something and get it right, that we don't ask that simple question. Yet in a casual conversation, we can then say, oh, no, no, what I'm trying to say is this. And then as the writer, you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. That's It's such a simple process, really. And, and we overcomplicate it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I think, you know, somebody who's really, oh, sorry, I've got a bad connection. No, no, you go somebody ahead. who's writing, and certainly in the early drafts, um, hopefully once they, you know, once they get it, and you can feel constriction when somebody's writing in a really constricted way. It's all tight and tiny little sentences, and it's, it's all very perfect. But when they're into it, I mean, the story's revealing itself to them as well. And I think writers, certainly script writers, put way too much pressure on themselves to get it right the first time. You know, they, they type fade up, and it's like, well... That's done. It's like, well, no, it's actually just beginning. <laughs> let's yeah. see what's there and let's see what it is you're, you really want to do and, and what's the material telling you it wants to do. And then try to try to triangulate all the different objectives that come up in a piece of writing. Yeah. So you're, you're allowing it to surprise you as well, the material then, right? Yes. Yeah. I think that's particularly hard for people who aren't professional writers, but who just, let's say, in the business world, they have to write a communication, an email, um, you know, something where they don't feel like they have that kind of freedom. So how, how, what would you recommend for people in that situation? How do you get around that? Yeah, well... I recommend it, and then I, I almost never take this advice myself, which is... <laughs> I must be really good. Um, <laughs> especially with an email, especially with a business email. There's few things more fraught than a, than a business email. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one with a business email, I always write them in, in, uh, in Word. I never write them in an email program because, you know, God forbid I accidentally hit send. <laughs> so always draft it in a way that it can't sneak out when you're not looking. Oh, that's what the price well, of admission right that. That's, that's a great tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just never write it in your email program. Two things happen by writing it in a word processor in Word, which is what I use. If you write it in Word, it's uh, A, you can't accidentally send it, but B, it doesn't look like an email. It, it, it looks like something else. So it, it actually kicks off a little bit of the pressure of, a, you know, of an email. It's just, this, oh, that's the thing I write on every day. It's like it's, like it's your notebook. So that, for me anyway, that helps me a lot. And, you know, maybe you let yourself do that first draft and just, just sort of bang out whatever it is you want to say, and then start to do that, that editing work of, again, what is it I'm trying to communicate here? What's the mm. outcome I want? What's the mm. relationship I want with this person? You know, mm. I think we sometimes, in our haste and nervousness of, you know, pounding out an email, especially when there's, it's an email that has a, a negative or a confrontational con- uh, connotation to it, 
is we accidentally, you know, stop thinking about the relationship and the future of that relationship. And we, you know, we take our eye off tone and we're just, you know, we're going to communicate our anger and, and we, mm. we can damage the relationship, which is probably the thing we're all afraid of anyway. But then just, you know, running it through the edits, asking yourself those questions and getting it to a point where you think, okay, can I send this in such a way that A, I've been heard and I've, I've, I've left an invitation for this person to participate in the thing that, uh, thing that I'm trying to do. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You said yeah. something interesting when you and I were talking earlier about, okay, I really wish I could remember. What was this really interesting thing you said? Give me a moment. While, while you think about that, I'm just going to say something about the relationship aspect of the thing, just to, while, you, while you noodle. Um, you know, I think that's really very, that's very impactful. I really like that as, as a person who's in, who's in business now, right? I, you know, certain people who I write to, it just ty- I, I, I'll like won't put their name in the two line until I've written the email because I'm worried, I'm exactly worried about that accidentally hitting send thing, right? Even though Gmail has the undo button that pops up immediately afterwards, which is a nice feature. Thank you for that, Google. But, you know, writing in, in a word processor, that completely takes that off. And now, now I see what you mean. There's a lot more freedom to say what I actually want to communicate because, I, I, you know, I talked to some fairly senior business leaders, right? And their time is very valuable. I was talking about this just yesterday with a colleague. You know, it's it's we're so worried about wasting their time that it's very constricting. You want it to be as concentrated, as boiled down as it possibly can. So I'll write and rewrite three, four times. But there's always that underlying anxiety of like I'm doing it in the email editor. So I absolutely love this tip. I think it's eminently practical. Ready to do it. I think that there's two things there for me. One is the physicality. It's like you said, an email doesn't look the same when you're writing it in a document, which is for me the writing in a journal, it gives it a certain freedom and looseness that I can then transfer later on, which I often do, right? I often start my blogs in my journal. The other thing was, when you're talking about writing things that have emotion attached to them, Mm. and one of the things you mentioned to me before was about writing about the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you expand on that? Sure. Sure. This happens a lot in giving feedback on creative work. Um, yeah. So I call it writing about the thing and not about the person. So, you know, mm-hmm. writing about the person, you would ask a question of, why did you make Gerald do that in scene 20? That's, that's not a question about Gerald. That's a question about the writer. And now you've put the writer in a defensive spot because you've asked a why question, which forces them to justify something they did, which is going to take their mind off the material and put their mind on themselves, which is a terrible place to put somebody. Um, and if you can say, let's talk about Gerald, because here's who, who's, here's who I thought Gerald was. And then suddenly in scene 20, he does this other thing. What do you think is going on there? And now the writer can talk about Gerald and you can have a conversation about that. So you haven't made it about the writer. You've made it about the thing. In this case, my terrible example here is about a character inside a scene. But same way with... Um, I had a friend read me an email a couple of weeks ago, and I always know what the answer is going to be. You know, I get something from, a, and I recognize the friend. I'm happy to get the email, and the subject line is, "Can I send this?" You think, <laughs> "No, you're asking me." Yes, yeah. No, you yeah. can't send it. But obviously, there's a good not. tip if you yeah. have to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at it. I go. Here's the thing. Can you go through and just depersonalize it because you just keep hammering at this person. And it seems what you're upset about 
is this other thing. Can you make it about the thing and not about the person and leave it open so that this person can get excited about helping you with the thing? And mm. most people want to help with the thing, whatever the mm. thing is. You know, mm. it's the problem or the, uh, you know, the, the shipment that went awry, whatever it is, just, um, you know, don't blame people for things that uh, they have no, not necessarily have control over, but also don't blame people for things in a way that's going to unmotivate them for being part of a solution. So I just heard a great tip uh, in there, which, so what I hear is, if it, it, you're not just talking about the thing, but you're actually talking about the thing that you both care about. So when yeah. you depersonalize it, right, now it's not just the thing you screwed up or even the thing, but you're, you're, you're pointing to something that you both share concern about. Mm, the shared value, right? Yeah. 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 Which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So of all the things we've talked about, so many great little practical tips, you know, in terms of how we bring more freedom to our writing. So there was the, um, First, just freeing yourself, right? I mean, just taking it off the off the page, right? Or, you know, off the formal page or the formal place you're going to put it. Um, you also, and then having it be about the thing rather than personalizing. And I think this is the, this is a really key thing because we so emotionalize our writing, whatever it is, an email, whatever. We, we, if we've got so much emotion invested in both in the writing and also in what people think about it. So how do you create more freedom in writing? Oh, I want to backtrack a little. You told me this great story about working on Little Mosque, where you had this enormous pressure because you would come on set and everybody's got their script, all the cast and crew is there, and you had to make changes on the fly and you talked about that great moment where you didn't have choice can you just sure. tell us about that especially sure. as it pertains to freedom sure yeah well the situation is such that you know when you're uh one of the things you do as a showrunner is you go down on set you've got everybody there directors all the actors cameras are up and you run the scene you run the scene from top to bottom and you figure out the angles you're going to shoot it who's you know what your master shot is, how you're going to do the close-ups, all that stuff. So you run it. And it's the first time anybody has seen the scene uh, in that run-through. So you do it. And in a perfect world, it's all great. You look at the director. The director goes, yep. You know, she says, okay, yeah, let's, I'm, I'm fine. You go, same shots as we discussed. Yep. And you go back upstairs and you go back to all the other things you have to do. But as often as not, there's a problem. And if there's a problem, it often means you have to rewrite something in a script. Suddenly the actors go, this doesn't make any sense. Whether it makes any sense or not is immaterial at that point because it has to make sense to the actors. So now you have to change it. And my first response always is, of course it makes sense. We wrote it. We've been over this 20 times. It makes perfect sense. So you have to like, oh, you have to let that go. <laughs> and go, okay, what do we need to do for this to make sense? Except everybody's standing there staring at you, right? And you have to, and they don't care. They just want it to work so they can light it, shoot it put a microphone in, the actors want to get it right, they don't want to look stupid, so you have to rewrite it right then and there. So something you may have been working on for eight months, suddenly you have to sometimes reconceive or rewrite the scene instantly. And yeah, the, the only way to do that 
is to you have to trust and assume <laughs> that everything you've done up until that moment in time has prepared you for this moment, right? So whatever you say is going to be correct. You just have to trust that you have everything you need in that moment. So you just kind of have to, again, get out of your way, forget that everybody's staring at you, and just go, okay, how about this? And that thing that, how about this? It's going to be okay. And usually it's fine. And, you know, first of all, everybody's been heard. The actors run it. They might add a line or two or ask a question, add another line, director might chirp in, and suddenly there's a scene, there's somebody who's writing all this down, and they go, okay, we're good, we're good, and off you go. If you fight it, you're dead. <laughs> but if you roll with it and just trust that, yeah, everything's prepared you for this moment, you'll be fine. And part of that story is the experience we had, if I can just briefly tell that anecdote of, you and I worked on a story where, we worked on a television series where on the second day of shooting, we had to go and basically shoot the finale. And in order to shoot that finale, we needed to know everything about the episode and the thing that we were about to do. We could never know anything about the thing we were going to do until we got there. So that was this giant variable that just floated over it. And everything we thought we were going to shoot changed in the time that we'd been shooting, except you didn't necessarily have access to that. You had all the pre-work. So mm -hmm. I would have to come in with you. You'd show me what was written, which was perfect with all the information you had. I would then have to give you new information and you would rewrite it. And we'd do that a couple of times, except I hated doing that. I hated doing it because it's what I call just in time work. <laughs> I personally can't do just in time work. I need lots of time. This is so good. I hope everyone who is listening <laughs> is relating this to all the just in time work, because I'm sure everyone can relate to that experience somewhere. But you had a lot of experience with just in time work. You weren't phased and you would chase me down and find me and make me do it. And then we would do it. So I actually, it was the doing that with you kind of got me over the, my fear of just in time work and prepared me to stand on the floor in Little Mosque and rewrite scripts in the last minute with 20 people staring at me. It's funny because I, so I have great. sort of the opposite fear. I'm like, I don't like having a whole lot of time to prepare at all. Uh, I'm not never sure, quite sure what to do with it. I like the J, you know, we, we talk about just in term all the time. So I'm just going to call it JIT. I love the JIT stuff. <laughs> I, I can't, you know, I'll, I'll mull it. I'll, I will mull an article that I'm writing for two, three weeks. And then I'll write it in two and a half hours in a parked car because the deadline is in two and a quarter hours from now. You know what I mean? So, so it's funny so how interesting yeah. because you're, but you're both pointing to the same thing, yes, right? Yeah, is your yeah. is whether it's a chosen um, pressure cooker or an enforced one? Mm. What's happening is in that time, there's no time to think and to listen to that judgment in your head. Ah, good point. So this is a great. 5% more free tip anywhere in life, right? That mm. if we can, in those moments when we're, when we're feeling pressured to write something, make a decision, take an action, if we can be present to the situation, rather to take that, take those opportunities to notice that we are being run by that concern, Mm. And let that go and trust, as you said, that everything that has ever happened has prepared you for this moment. And then put your attention on the thing, right, the as thing. well. Yeah. Put your attention on the thing. Mm. Everything in life has prepared you for this moment. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's great. There was something also, Al, in, in, in the show notes Michelle sent out, um, you know, 
that she does for every episode. Thank you so much, as always. <laughs> um, you know, th- there's something in there about limiting choices, and I've certainly found that to be the case for the creative work I've done in my own life, uh, whether that's in business or in the performing arts in my, my, old, my earlier life. Can you t- say a little bit about that? Because I thought that was really interesting that that showed up in there. Sure. Um, I mean, in, in, I, I can reference it to, you know, for the television series, we, we create these things we call Bibles, which um, just basically it's, it's the parameters of the show because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, anything could happen. And yeah. the challenge with making a, a half decent Bible is to, you know, to create a set of boundaries that you can work in every week uh, for every episode that's going to, you know, enliven the creativity around that kind of storytelling and so that you don't have to do a pilot every week. Now, half the people in any enterprise like that creative enterprise love that and half of them hate it. And so there's, a, there's always a tension. So the people that don't like the boundaries bring new things new ideas in because they don't like to be restrained, but we have those parameters as a way to access the, um, the amount of choice we can have. Like we have a nice set of limitations that helps us then process all this, you know, often terrific new creative uh, input, but we've, we've created a little set of boundaries for ourselves. So I do that with everything. Um, you try to create, so what are the, what are the boundaries? And you can always change them, but at least, you know, especially if you're collaborating with somebody, it's like, what, 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 is, what is it we're making? What, how do we define this thing we're making? Because if I keep, you know, throwing in ideas that have nothing to do with your understanding of it and vice versa, we're not going to move forward. So those limitations, as much as anything, they, they're fantastic for facilitating collaboration. And for yourself, then it's, it's all that other noise and that critic who's saying, you know, you really ought to be doing X, Y, Z. You have a way to process that. Mm. This is completely my experience with the creative process. It wasn't what I expected. When I first started in television, when I first started directing stories, my expectation was that the more choice you had, the more creative you could be. But I I once, it was many, many years ago, I was shooting a fashion story at the Art Gallery of Ontario, and I had their permission to come in. So I thought, wow, this is going to be spectacular because I've got the entire art gallery to choose from. And when I arrived, they said, oh, no, you have this room. (laughs) (laughs) This one empty room with no paintings. This one huge empty room with no paintings. I did the best story. The things that I was able to do with the camera, with the models, was completely outside of anything I would have thought of. And I I got like, just like really got in that moment that it is the constraints that give us creativity because that's where we have to use our imagination. And I think that, again, we've got so many 5% more free tips in this episode. Mm -hmm. But that, again, is if we extrapolated and looked out at our life and looked at the constraints that we're relating to as problems and started thinking of them as parameters to create, create something new, we would expand, we would expand our own experience of our own agency in every area of life. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase that back to you just because I think I know what I'm hearing here, but you're saying we could be 5% more free in our lives by regarding the constraints as supports to creativity rather than just obstacles to our life. 
right? Exactly. Very yeah. well said. Very Love well that. said. We have mm. so much, and I, I feel like I'm, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to abuse your time. Mm. But you said this wonderful thing, and it was so surprising when you and I talked, because you're so masterful at te- the technicalities of creativity, right? The writing and the producing and all of that. And you said something that surprised me. It was about love. Hmm. Do you remember what you said to me? <laughs> um, well, let me I'll, let me see if I can remember because I I had an opportunity to practice this recently on a hard email. Um, <laughs> was it in the area of you know if you if you approach it from the point of view of love and if you put love in your heart coming into the enterprise? Um, very little can go wrong because it will mm. it'll steer you in the right direction. And sometimes if you're lost or confused, if you just kind of re, reload that, put love back in your heart, A, towards the work, towards the people you're working with, towards the idea, towards the impact of the idea, whatever it is that motivates you in that, you can often and most times find a way, find a way through it. Mm, well, uh, load, load love in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Load love in your heart. Yeah. I, I realized when you said that, that this is what I do, currently I do with my blog. And what I, I recognized is that when you communicate with love, y- you will never regret it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you're communicating with love, whatever you say... If you're wrong, it's okay. You can just say, oh, I was wrong about that. Like, there's none of that having to defend your righteousness. You know, it's just, I mean, talk about freeing things up. Thank you so much for all these wonderful... Advice almost seems too small. These are just such great gems for for living my life more freely. And I want to acknowledge that for everybody publicly, that of all the years that I have worked in television and the years that I wrote, um, you were the person who made the biggest difference in my writing. And for everybody else, it was always good enough. But for you, good enough is never good enough. And that's why you're so good at what you do. And I thank you so much for that and for who you are. Thank you. Very nice. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. I'll um, have a couple of places that people can reach you here on Instagram at TV. So I'm going to spell that out. That's uh, A-L-M-A-G-E-E-T-V. That's that's your Instagram. And then TorontoScreenwritingConference.com. And uh, if they go to that URL, and of course this will be in the show notes, people should look for the McGee TV Diverse Screenwriters Mentorship Award. Yes. Uh, so uh, those those are good places to reach you, right? That's it. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm hard to find. Find Yeah. Thank you so much for being thank here, you. and thank yeah. you to our listeners and uh, and eventually viewers. Yeah, yeah. Right. Thank you, Alfred. Very sincere thanks indeed. I um, also want to thank our, uh, our sound engineers, uh, Toby and Caitlin. And uh, music is also by Toby Leach. Uh, they are, as I've said before in previous episodes, absolutely wonderful to work with. It's, it's like getting a podcast. If you've been thinking about doing a podcast, it's like it's like hiring a podcast in a box. So uh, highly recommended. Um, 
anything you want to ask us or tell us uh, anybody before we sign off? No, just thank you very much for the chance to speak with you both and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. the chance to throw a few ideas out there. And I hope everybody, uh, I hope everybody just gives themselves a little more freedom with whatever it is that they're writing and, uh, and just trust themselves that chances are they know exactly what to do. Oh, I love it. What a nice note to go out on. Thank you, Al. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.